0: Good morning. I'd like to invite you to join me in the reading of God's Word. Today we'll be reflecting on Acts chapter uh, 1, verses 1 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Let's give attention to the reading of God's very own Word. In your pew Bibles, it is page 909, Acts chapter 1, 1 through 8. This is God's Word. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day that he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them, Will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This is the word of God. Father, we ask that you would help us to hear the message that you have for us today. Help me by your Holy Spirit to speak just what you would have us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. We had the privilege of serving as missionaries in Cambodia for about seven years, and when we first came to the country, I would meet many young Cambodian non-Christians, and I would ask them this question, what are your dreams for your future? What are your dreams for your life? And almost to a person, they would answer the same way. They would say, well, my dream is to have a good job, a nice house, and a good family. And then I would meet many young Cambodian Christians and I would ask them the same question. Can you guess how they answered? Well, they would answer, my dream is to have a good job, a nice house, and a good family. You see, there was no difference in their their answer. Now, the truth is there's nothing wrong with having these things. These are blessings from God. But the question before us this morning is, is that all that we could hope for? here in this life. You see if if we're not challenged, I think we'll naturally gravitate to what the world is selling us. What's the world selling us? What's well, the American dream? It's a comfortable life. Jesus today challenges us to reimagine our dreams for our life, for our future. And he presents to us a vision of the kingdom of God, and he invites us to join him in his kingdom mission. And so today we're going to be confronted with some pretty important questions for our lives as we reflect first on Jesus' kingdom vision, what he saw, second on Jesus' kingdom mission, what he calls us to do. And finally, Jesus' kingdom, power. So let's begin. Where do we start as we think about this alternative dream for our lives? Well, we begin with an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. After his suffering and death, the scriptures tell us Jesus presented himself alive. The resurrection changed everything. And for 40 days, what did Jesus do? He he showed himself to his disciples. What was he speaking to his disciples about during those 40 days? Kingdom of God. If all there is in this life is this life, then it makes perfect sense to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if the resurrection is real, if the resurrection is true, then everything has to change. It means there is life after this life. It means there is a kingdom that will last forever. It means that our our time here is just a blip when we compare it to what comes next. And so why should we settle for the American dream when Jesus presents to us this vision of life in the kingdom of God? He shows us what life in the kingdom will be like. How? He shows us himself. All those who belong to this kingdom will be like Jesus, raised from the dead, never to die again, living without corruption, without sickness, without fear, fear of judgment, fear of death, living without sin. It's what we are created for. It's where we'll find our ultimate satisfaction and joy, life in and for the kingdom of God. I have the privilege of serving at a mission agency, Mission to the World, and in in 2020 when the global pandemic started, we thought, oh my gosh, this is gonna be really bad for global missions, right? Who in their right mind would seek to pursue global missions during a, a global pandemic, but as we continued to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field, more and more people applied to become long-term missionaries. In fact, we had the third largest mission class that we had had in the past nine years. And so we were confused. And I asked our candidate, director, I said, what's going on? And he said, it's not the same as it was in 2008. You guys remember what happened in 2008 the Great Recession. He said, back then, people were applying because they were just looking for a job. But the candidates who are coming in after this pandemic were were people who were sitting in their office, sitting at home, asking themselves this simple question. Is what I'm doing today what I want to do for the rest of my life? Or is God calling me to something else? Have you asked that question recently? Today we're presented with an alternative dream than the American dream. So how do we begin to live more than for that kingdom? Well, the simple prerequisite to pursuing this kingdom vision is having an authentic relationship with the king, with Jesus we don't know him, if, if we've not been radically changed by his gospel, we have no hope for life in his kingdom. In fact, without an, an ongoing, vibrant relationship with Jesus, we'll naturally gravitate to what the world is selling us. So can I ask you this morning, who is Jesus to you? Is he your life? Is he your first love? Is, is he your all? The prerequisite to life in the kingdom of God is having this authentic relationship with Jesus. It's not the same as simply knowing about Jesus. Do you know him? Who's Jesus? But he's the one who sees us for who we are, behind our masks. He sees all of our ugliness, our pride, our our selfishness. He sees all of our sins. And yet he still loves us. In fact, he loves us so much that he gave his life on the cross on Calvary Mountain to pay for all of our sins that we could be forgiven. And he is the one that God raised from the dead and made Lord, made king over all of creation. And it's this Jesus who invites us to come to him, to know him, To be known by him, to serve him, to worship him, to love him. The more we know Jesus, the more we're known by Jesus, you see, the more eager we are to align our dreams, our ambitions to his dreams, his kingdom vision. Well, this leads to the second point. The second point is understanding Jesus' kingdom mission. If you think about it, Jesus' disciples did not struggle with wanting a comfortable life. Not them. They gave up everything. They gave up, they left their family, left their friends, they left their home to follow Jesus. But their problem was they didn't quite understand the scope and nature of this kingdom that Jesus was speaking about. After seeing their resurrected Lord, what did they ask him? Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Who is asking this question? Israelites. So in essence they're saying, Jesus, when are you going to give us back our our kingdom? The assumption was that God's kingdom was primarily for them, for their nation. For the chosen race, they were thinking so much about themselves, they couldn't imagine God's purposes and plans for the world. How about us? Are we so focused on ourselves, on our people, on our problems, that we forget about God's purposes for the world? How does Jesus respond to his disciples? Well, he says, it's not for you to know times or seasons that, that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He is turning our attention away from ourselves toward his kingdom mission and he is expanding our understanding of the scope of his mission from where we are to the ends of the earth. This is the ultimate plan of God for his creation, the redemption of the nations. I think it's easy for us, particularly as Americans, to see our Christian faith as an individual thing, Of course, our faith needs to be personal, but I think we only see it often as as personal. But God's plan is much bigger than our individual salvation. His purpose is for his kingdom to stretch to every inch of his creation. And and here in this short passage, we see how he's going to accomplish his plan. It's through the Holy Spirit working in and through his disciples, through us. How? When we receive the grace and mercy of God and the gospel changes our hearts and we have this relationship with Jesus, the living, resurrected King, and and we share and we bear witness to others. And we make disciples who in turn make other disciples in other places until the world is full of those who bow the knee to King Jesus. Family lives in Atlanta now. We're not from the southeast. It's, it's kind of a, a new place for us. And I was driving from, early on, driving from Atlanta to Tennessee, and along the highway, I saw this big billboard. And on the billboard, it said, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess it. Jesus Christ is Lord. And I thought, wow, only in the American South do we see signs like this. But as I drove closer, I saw in smaller print, even the Democrats And then I thought, wow, only in the American South (laughs) do we see signs like this. But it's true, is it not? One day, every knee will bow. One day, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And here, Jesus says we get to participate with him we get to bear witness that our king is alive and he freely offers salvation to all who call upon his name. Do you realize, beloved, that over 40% of the global population, over 3 billion people, live in a context where there are less than 2% evangelical Christians? We call these unreached people groups. Let me underline these numbers again. Over 40% of the world live in a context where there are less than 2% evangelical Christians. Most people are born, live their whole life, and die without ever meeting a Christian. And less than 1% of all full-time Christian workers are serving these unreached, unengaged places Beloved, that's a huge imbalance. And so we need our most fruitful local missionaries and evangelists, disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, to go into these places where there is no gospel witness. It's not the same when those from unreached places come here to the United States. Why? Because once they come here, they have access to who? To you, The church, teachers, resources. But those living in unreached, unengaged places have no access to ongoing discipleship relationships. Maybe you, like me, are overwhelmed by these statistics. Maybe you're starting to feel the gravity of the task that is before us, and you're thinking, impossible, right? Even if we were to go with our families, with our children, the work itself, it's impossible. I mean, learning a new language, learning a new culture, trying to share the gospel in places that are often hostile to Christians, impossible. But this leads to the last point. Jesus is kingdom power. Instead of sending his disciples off immediately, what does Jesus do? He tells them to wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Why was this so important? Because Jesus knows. He knows that we cannot do this impossible work in our own power, in our own strength, in our own wisdom. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the very Spirit of Jesus. What happens when Jesus' Spirit fills you? Not only does the Spirit remind us and convict us of our sins, not only does the Spirit remind us of the promises of the gospel and our identity as the children of God, but the Spirit actually changes us, makes us to be more like Jesus. A young mother was watching her two young boys, and uh, they were fighting over a toy. And the mother told them, "Uh, Boys, you need to stop fighting. You need to share. What would Jesus do? And the older brother uh, looked at his younger brother and said, okay, it's your turn to be Jesus. Give me the toy. (laughs) You see, a mother's chiding doesn't actually change us, does it? The spirit of Jesus does. What does Paul say are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit comes upon us, we bear these fruits. Galatians chapter five, what are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, these fruits give integrity, give power to our kingdom witness. We need the Holy Spirit's presence in us. And so as we think about this impossible mission, we are reminded it's not our power, it's not our abilities, it's not our wisdom that accomplishes this task, but it's Jesus. His spirit in us empowers us. His spirit in us emboldens us. His spirit in us equips us and supports us in this kingdom mission. Beloved, believing this should give us incredible freedom Freedom to risk, freedom to dream, freedom to go to places that we would have never dreamt possible. So can I ask you, what are your dreams for your future? Jesus, our King, wants more for us than simply living a comfortable life. He shows us a picture of the kingdom of God and and he invites us to live in it and to live for it seeking the expansion of its borders filling the world kingdom of peace a kingdom of righteousness a kingdom of justice a kingdom where the king is good and trustworthy and ultimately a kingdom where there's no war there's no tears <laughs> there's no suffering there's no sickness there's no pain there's no sin there's no death what are your dreams for your future? Nice house? A good family? A, a great job. Can you imagine the house that Jesus is building for us in the kingdom? Can you imagine what our family is going to be like? Glorified, resurrected, and what better job is there than to bear witness that our king is alive? With the promise of his indwelling spirit. If there was ever a time to be involved in global missions, it is now. If you're not called to go, beloved, can I challenge you to give and sacrifice as much as those who are called to go through our prayers, through our encouragement, through our generous giving. All of us, all who follow Jesus are called to participate in this kingdom mission whether that's here or whether that's across the globe. Let me end with this benediction from our Indian brothers and sisters. It goes like this. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father be with you and disturb you and trouble you and set before you an impossible task and and dare you to do it until in your desperation you fall on your knees and remain there until he fills you with his power. And then, but only then, may the Lord grant you his peace. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are so grateful that you have called us to yourself. Our hearts are filled with joy that we can call you our Abba, Father. And so we do pray that you would fill us with your Spirit, that we would reach out to you in our times of fear and anxiety, and that you would embolden us and equip us to participate with you in your kingdom mission fill us with your kingdom power, Lord, and may we go forth through the name of Jesus Christ in which we pray. Amen.